0: Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this Tuesday. Day after a very disappointing defeat for your New Orleans Pelicans in overtime, 118-116 loss to the Indiana Pacers, we're going to focus exclusively on this game in today's show because you saw a lot of good from New Orleans. And then a whole lot of bad in the final two minutes or so of the fourth quarter. And then overtime. this is a tough game to sum up and try and take a lot away from because it was just kind of so much all at once. And there's so many different angles to it. But we're going to look at some of the biggest things from this and what this means for the team going forward, because this game does encapsulate a lot of what we've seen from the Pelicans so far this year and what we expect from them going forward. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So don't forget, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. And if you're a new listener, just trying to make sense of what the hell happened last night, I appreciate you tuning in. And if you're a longtime listener, I appreciate you sticking with me through everything good and bad of the New Orleans Pelicans here. We just crossed over. I think this is the 901st episode of the show. So appreciate you all being with us. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked on Pelicans wherever you get your podcasts. So let me set the stage for you all. The Pelicans had just gone on a 19-4 run against the Indiana Pacers. They had been down 92-87 and came back to take a 10-point lead on that 19-4 run. Put them at 106-96 over the Indiana Pacers with two minutes and 22 seconds to go. This game should have been... Over for the New Orleans Pelicans, they just cruised to a victory. You basically had uh, Demonis Sabonis fouled out. You had Miles um, Turner at five fouls. Yes, you were getting good games from Victor Oladipo for the Indiana Pacers, but the Pelicans had the momentum. They had the advantage, and then things went completely awry for them. Over the next two minutes and 22 seconds, the Pelicans' offense basically de- de- devolved It was a lot of Brandon Ingram heavy isos and that's after he had a real big hand in that 19-4 run scoring or assisting on 15 of those points. We'll get to him more later in the show because he had an incredible performance that was wasted in this game. This is one of those things where you don't want to focus too much on one thing particularly early in the season but this loss is going to linger and that's why I want to kind of do a deep dive on it. So for the final two minutes and 22 seconds the Pelicans don't score another point at all and in fact Of all of those shots that they took over that, none of it was good. They took one good look during that stretch and it allowed the Indiana Pacers to get in it. But despite that terrible play for New Orleans while they were up 10 and basically throwing this game away, they still had a chance to win it. That is until Victor Oladipo hits a a three with 20 and a half seconds left in the game. The Indiana Pacers are down 103-106. Pelicans get the ball, they can hold it till the very end and basically just try or play the foul game with the Indiana Pacers at this point. But still, they are heavily favored to win the game here. And then they inbound the ball to JJ Redick and he fumbles it, loses it, recovers the ball, gets it back to Lonzo Ball, who then gets it stolen away by Victor Oladipo, who then passes it to Miles Turner, who's on the perimeter. As the Pelicans then realize what is going on and rush back somewhat, but only by then it's too late because Miles Turner's wide open. No one goes to cover him, by the way. He's just on the three-point line holding the ball. And guys run over to other players to cover, not the man with the ball, even though Miles Turner uh, can shoot threes and hits threes. And guess what? He did hit this three, putting the game at 106-106. But it's okay, right? Pelicans have 8.2 seconds left to try and win the game. You get to inbound the ball, get it to Brandon Ingram, let him close it out, right? No. They run a double screen for him. He inbounds the ball, gets it to Zion. Zion immediately hands it off to him, sets a screen. Then you've got Steven Adams setting another screen as Brandon Ingram rolls to the right, starts to drive towards the rim, except they wall off the rim. So he pulls up for a long two, 21 feet, contested jump shot, misses, goes to overtime, where the Pelicans in overtime do not start Zion Williamson. They get down six, with a minute left to go, Zion finally subs into the game for the first time in overtime, not into the game, in overtime, sat for the first four minutes, immediately scores three points, but by then it's basically just done. The Pelicans were cooked, couldn't get it. couldn't get over the hump and lose to the Indiana Pacers. I just described to you maybe four or five times the Pelicans could have or should have won this game and they weren't able to get it done. And it's an unbelievably disappointing loss to see from this team. Yes, you can put on your optimism glasses and say, young team, still growing, still needing to learn to figure out how to close out games. Brandon Ingram's young, right? He's been improving. He had a good game. Maybe don't put all that pressure on him yet, but you still got to do it. The Pelicans lost this game in so many different ways. And I'm not even going to mention the refereeing in this one, which was, yeah, bad actually. And going against uh, New Orleans in ways that seemed, not suspect, but yeah, this one wasn't fair on both sides. But you know what? New Orleans had so many chances to win or to close the game out that the refereeing in this one shouldn't have mattered. And frankly, it doesn't. Because that's how badly they blew this open. There were coaching mistakes, There are very clear roster construction issues with this team. Let's get onto all of that coming up here in a moment. We'll, We'll dive into Stan Van Gundy and the ways that he blew this game. And he did, and I will explain in very good detail why and what happened. And to his credit, he took the blame for it. Then I want to look at Brandon Ingram and how this is a bit of a waste of a big performance from him and his growth as a player. So all of that and a little bit more coming up here in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. But before we get to all of that, today's show is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. The NBA season is well underway. We've got the college national title game next week. And oh yeah, the NFL playoffs are here too, where the Saints are in who dat and there's only one place to get in on the action one place i trust and one place that has you covered and that's betonline.ag sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code locked on for a 50 percent welcome bonus that's free money they're giving you right there it's already like you've won a bet they're gonna have the nfl game of the week they've got the college football national title game and all the props available with that oh yeah and all the nba games and anything you could want to bet on so make these a little bit more interesting don't sit on the sideline anymore get in on the action and don't forget use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts 2020 is mercifully over and it's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. And if you're betting this year and you want those wins, listen to Locked On Bets hosted by your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. So it was a rough loss for the Pelicans in what should have been a winnable game. In New Orleans, where they're both trying to grow and compete at the same time, You know what? When you're up 10 with 222 left to go, you probably want to get that victory because I don't know how many moral victories you're finding in this loss when, frankly, there's a number of ways it could have gone New Orleans' favor and more things that they controlled rather than just the Indiana Pacers outplaying you. I mean, credit to Victor Oladipo and hitting those shots, but New Orleans made it easy on them and didn't really take it to the Indiana Pacers like they should have or close this game out like they should have. And one of the reasons for that is coaching. Stan Van Gundy, you could easily argue, lost this game for New Orleans. And you know what? He said as much in the post-game press conference saying this one was on him. And there's two areas that this really jumps out at you in kind of a third. And we'll talk about that too. But that's what I want to look at in this segment. This is a rough Stan Van Gundy game and he preaches accountability. So I'm curious how he's going to go to his team or how he talked to this team in the locker room and goes, you know what I screwed up. It's on me. I need to get better too. Just like I'm pushing you guys. Uh, to grow as well so go to the final basically the second to last possession for new orleans after that victor oladipo made three and then what led to the turnover which ended up becoming the miles turner game time three pointer i walked you guys through it you've seen it too by now it's it's an unbelievable minute long sequence out there where new orleans inbounds the ball gets it to jj reddick and he kind of fumbles it away but manages to recover it while on the ground. Tosses it over to Lonzo Ball, who promptly dribb- dribbles right into Victor Oladipo. He then starts to lose possession before Victor Oladipo grabs away, tosses it to Miles Turner for three. Okay, the Pelicans had a timeout. One. Why didn't JJ Redick call one? Why didn't Vi- uh, Why didn't not Victor Oladipo? I wish he was on the Pelicans. Why didn't Lonzo Ball call a timeout? More importantly, if they're kind of caught up in the moment and not able to kind of put their hands into that T-shape while they're trying to fight for the ball, what is Stan Van Gundy doing not calling a timeout there? It advances the ball, you get the final possession then and still play the foul game. It wasn't going to affect that much and at that point to prevent a turnover from happening, that is probably what you needed to do. And Stan Van Gundy, who'd been yelling at the refs all night and was very clued into what was happening in this game, missed this. And if the Penguins just call that timeout and don't turn the ball over, they play the foul game and they probably win. And it's a little bit closer than what it should have been from being up 106 to 96. But then another big mistake happened in overtime. At the start of overtime, I immediately tweeted out, you all saw too, Zion wasn't out there on the court. What? Why? Why wasn't Zion out there on the court for New Orleans in overtime? It makes no sense. You're going to point to, and I saw people saying it, well, he played, Zion played most of the fourth quarter and you need to rest him. No. And you want to know why? So SVG runs with Lonzo, um, Redick, Hart, Brandon Ingram, and Adams. So maybe some shooting there. But look, Brandon Ingram was gassed. Some of those other guys are gassed too. Put out your best players on the court because the Pelicans quickly fell down six in overtime. And here's the problem with getting him maybe an extra minute or two of rest here. It can cost you and it can bite you. Maybe it works, but it's a gamble. And it was a gamble that went against Stan Van Gundy in this game. Stan Van Gundy tried to stub Zion in with two minutes and 30 seconds remaining in the overtime period. You saw uh, Zion Williamson go to the scores table and get ready to check in. The problem was there wasn't a stoppage of play. He did not check in until just about a minute left in the game. So he stood at the scores table for about a minute 30 of game time because the game didn't stop. At that point, Stan Van said, maybe you should have taken a timeout. I don't think you need to take a timeout to sub someone in. Just put them in to start the game and save those timeouts for the end of the overtime period when you might need them. Don't use one to sub them in because of a mistake you already made. At that point, it should have just been put Zion Williamson in to start overtime. The second he stepped in, got the ball on the perimeter at the three-point line, drove to the rim, scored for the and one, cut the deficit to three. Imagine if you had him in there at the start of overtime. Don't give me this rest stuff. What is two extra minutes going to do? And if that's that big of a concern, then there's two things you need to look at if you're the coaching staff on this one. One what are you guys doing in practice in the conditioning and getting these guys ready for the regular season? It shouldn't be that big of a deal. He's not even 21. Like Come on. Don't give me that excuse. The other thing is, in the second half of the game, Stan Van Gundy basically ran a rotation with just seven guys. Jackson Hayes and Akil Alexander-Walker played for under four minutes each. They ran nine guys in the second half, but really just seven guys. And all of those seven guys played 15 minutes or more, including Brandon Ingram getting played over 20 minutes. You're going to wear guys down if you're doing that. Then go to your bench and spell guys in regulation to kind of find the right way. Because you know what? The conditioning definitely was an issue for the Pelicans late in the fourth quarter and why they partially lost this. They didn't get good looks in the fourth quarter, because, or in those final two minutes and 22 seconds, because they all looked gassed. And Brandon Ingram, very visibly gassed, trying to do so much and had done so much and so much good for New Orleans, but just ran out of steam. And part of that's roster construction because there's no one else who can step up and kind of create for this offense when it's not on B.I. And B.I. was phenomenal most of the game. And we'll talk about him more in the next segment. But this was clearly some coaching errors here. The other thing that you could point to Outside of the timeouts, not starting Zion, um, the rotation in the second half leading guys maybe being tired is you had a couple of stretches where the Pelicans really failed to adjust to this Indiana Pacers team. We know what the strategy is. You're going to let kind of middle range, mediocre shooters shoot threes, right? And hope they don't burn you. But at one point, they do start burning you. Maybe you need to kind of adjust to that and try and contest guys out there on the perimeter. And you weren't seeing the Pelicans do it. I think at times you need to adjust your game plan in the middle of the game when you've got a guy like Malcolm Brogdon going to four of nine or Victor Oladipo going five of 11. You need to find ways to contest them just a little bit more to kind of make them a little bit uncomfortable and to force Indiana out of that easy offense that they were getting. You also had the goddamn Doug McDermott show at one point where the Pelicans just, I don't know, weren't unable to account for him where he forced a number of turnovers and really got New Orleans out of their own rhythm. And you've got to start a- accounting for a guy like that and being like, okay, we're going to take him out of the game. And you didn't see those kind of adjustments from the coaching staff in this one. And it's like, wait a second. They, they really blew this one. The timeouts, everything. It was just an all-around bad thing. Maybe it's not going to be a regular thing going forward, but this early in Stan Van Gundy's tenure here, like it's a bit of a black eye for him. And that's something that seemingly should not have happened in this game, and it was a game that New Orleans should have won, and you could easily put this squarely on Stan's shoulders. All right, coming up, I want to talk about Brandon Ingram. A, re- a really good performance from him, kind of wasted. Thirty-one points on the night, some unbelievable passing in route to eight assists. Let's talk about his game, the elevation of it, and what happened to this Pelicans offense down the stretch. So it's winter right now, which means it's cold outside. And when it's cold outside, you've got to keep your car running because there's nothing worse than trying to figure out travel arrangements. How are you going to get to the places you need to get when it's snowy, when it's rainy, when it's cold, and you've got to bundle up? It's just—it's not something you want to do. So take care of your car, and if you need parts for your car, the place you've got to check out is rockauto.com. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. So go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Their catalog is easy and very simple to navigate. Simply choose the year of your car, the make, the model, and they're going to show you all the parts available. I just ordered a new AC condenser from them. By the way, it was like $150 cheaper than one of those cheap chain stores so I'm thrilled I went to rockauto.com to order that their prices are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers why spend up to twice as much for the same parts so go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com So with the condensed schedule, there's like a million games every single night in the NBA. It's... Too much for most people to kind of keep track of it, but I've got a secret for you, and that's the Locked On NBA podcast. Monday through Fridays, no paywall, breaking down all of the action in the games the night before. No better way to keep up with everything that's going on around the association. Rotating cast of hosts, covering all of the games as well as the biggest stories in the league. And oh yeah, by the way, I co-host the Wednesday edition, so subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcasts. So Brandon Ingram had a game, and yes, there were some struggles for him late in the fourth quarter, and we'll get into that in a second, but the overall numbers look very good. 31 points on the night, eight assists, four rebounds, did it on 12 of 31 shooting, that's 38.7%, one of six from deep, that's not good. We'll get to that stuff in a second here, but in the fourth quarter, you saw him take over the game. The Pelicans were down ninety-two to eighty-seven with about seven and a half minutes left to play. And Brandon Ingram entered into the game in the fourth quarter. They then go on a 19 to 4 run, and he scored or assisted on 15 of those points. He absolutely took over. I mean, you saw everything from him. The scoring, the three-point shot, and then the passing and breaking out all sorts of different looks in his bag in this game. Bounce passes. Check. Spinning through a double team to find an open Lonzo ball for a three-pointer. Check. A nice uh, handoff to um, Stephen Adams down low for Stephen Adams to lay it in. Check. He showed you everything. He looked like a playmaker. Like a one, uh, He looked like Chris Paul in that stretch, that eight or so minute stretch, um, or that seven and a half minute stretch, more or less, to kind of close out the game. It was about a five minute stretch. Looked unstoppable. Looked like Chris Paul during that. Just pulling the strings of the offense, knowing exactly where everyone was, the right move he needed to make, and then if they took away the shot that he wanted, cool, cool. I've created enough offense. I've bent the defense to focus on me that someone is open. I've just got to give them the right type of pass into the spot on their body that they like and they're going to sink the shot. And guess what? He did that. All of that. If you're a Brandon Ingram fan, you should be thrilled about this because he looked like an MVP candidate in there. He looked a guy that could win most improved player again. He looked that good in the fourth quarter. Three assists, seven points for him. Basically in a five minute stretch. It was very impressive, but then you started to see why I don't see this Pelicans team as a shoe-in for the playoffs because the offense completely fell apart. We talked about it over that two-minute and 22-second stretch. Here's the offense on what happened after that. When I told you the Pelicans didn't score again, and most of the looks that they had were not really good during that stretch. Let me pull up the play-by-play data here, and we've got it. So Brandon Ingram makes two free throws to give the Pelicans a score of 106. He then misses a 15 foot pull up jumper that was his time was expiring and he just kind of had to rip a shot. It wasn't a good look. He had a driving layup where he's blocked from behind by Miles Turner. It looks good when you watch it, except Miles Turner had position on him the whole time. And that play was so very clearly going to be an ISO with Brandon Ingram that he was going to drive. There's no, there no doubt about it, and no one else moved around him to make Miles Turner have to do anything else other than easily kind of block this shot from behind. Then Zion Williamson drove into the teeth of the defense, missed a three-foot driving layup according to the play-by-play data. He drove into four guys. And as much as I don't think shooting and spacers are a huge issue around the Pelicans right now, go watch that play. You can find it on the NBA's play-by-play data and on the NBA stats site. He goes right into dudes. You've got Stephen Adams right down low. And Miles Turner just pulls off of Stephen Adams to go contest Zion Williamson. They'd already had another help defender rotate over. There's basically four guys right around him. It's no wonder that he didn't make the shot right there at all. Then you finally get the best shot for New Orleans during this stretch. That's um, Brandon Ingram starting to drive from the right wing. They cover him. He kicks it out to J.J. Redick, who's moving to the short corner, who just misses a three. It's not a bad look. It's actually a very good look and a very good play that they created. Except J.J. Reddick's been ice cold. He hasn't been good during the past five games. So while I don't mind him taking that shot, probably not as good as we would normally think of it to be. J.J. Reddick, one of six from deep in this game, one of nine overall. And then, of course, we know the turnover. They tied the game. And then the final play, which was that Brandon Ingram 21-foot twenty-one foot, uh, 21 foot uh, jump shot coming off a double screen from both Zion Williamson and Steven Adams, And look, that final play was not good. He should have hit Steven Adams rolling to the rim and they would have scored and won. But here's the thing. It was just so clearly a Brandon Ingram play, a Brandon Ingram isolation play, that it's not like Indiana needed to do much to defend it. They'll happily let Steven Adams beat him on something like that. They took away the smart option, which was Brandon Ingram. There's no off-ball movement, nothing to disguise it. It was just very clear from the second he was going to inbound it that he was going to come around those two screens or at least one screen and kind of drive to the rim. That's why they had guys in the corner to space the court. One guy in each corner to really space the court. And you know what? Indiana did not buy it for a damn second. So what happened? Part of it is you're seeing an issue with the roster construction. There's just no other guy who can kind of bend a defense, break a defense, who can play, make, and create for others. It's Brandon Ingram. And if Indiana is able to adjust, and they did adjust over those final two minutes onto B.I., you're going to see some bad offense, and you're going to see some empty possessions because there's no one else who's capable of doing what Brandon Ingram is capable of doing. We know what the limitations are with Lonzo Ball. Eric Bledsoe has moments where he vanishes And he also had some really bad play in the fourth quarter. He turned the ball over twice. Um, Two big ones. There's just no one else that can do it. So it falls on BI's shoulders. So you can say, and I've seen people talking to me on Twitter about this, being like, no, he missed everything. He took too many shots, played hero ball, isolation ball. The hell else are they supposed to do? Give me what else they should have done instead. I don't really have an answer for you other than, yeah, maybe you've just got to go with BI who's your best player. That's the issue with the roster, it's a bit of a chicken in the egg situation. They probably don't want to do this as much with Brandon Ingram. The problem is there's just nothing else you can do right now. Kyra Lewis Jr. isn't ready for this. Nikhil Alexander-Walker is a turnover machine at times, and his shot's a little too inconsistent to be able to kind of step up into this role. We'd like it to be Lonzo Ball, but we know that's not what Lonzo Ball is. There's just no one else. So you can hate the isolation here, but it's still probably the best option. But look at Brandon Ingram's stats in the fourth quarter. At times, they're not particularly great overall. And so it's a bit of a problem. It's again, a bit of a chicken and the egg thing. You know, which one's least worst? I'm not entirely sure. Sure. And right now, I tend to trust Brandon Ingram more than any of the other options out there. But New Orleans definitely needs to figure out. Brandon Ingram scoring 31 points on 31 shots is not good efficiency. And you're going to struggle in the half court if that's what's going on. And once teams realize, hey, we've got to just zero in on him and make anyone else beat us. And look, some of those guys do beat them, but they're not the most reliable people. Not the most reliable players on the Pelicans. You run into issues like this where the Pelicans go... Two minutes, 22 seconds, and blow a 10-point lead because they don't score whatsoever. And then struggle in overtime till you put Zion Williamson back in there, but... We covered that already. So it was a frustrating night. This one should sting a little bit. This one may linger a little bit. The Pelicans are not practicing today. So hopefully they can kind of get their mind right um, and put this one out and maybe, I don't know, just kind of set it aside, move on from it because that's probably the most important thing for them to do right now because some of the issues we've seen, some of them get corrected. I think coaching will be better. But the roster construction issues and what it does for the offense, that's definitely going to be a problem going forward. There's not much else you can do right now when it comes to that. So don't forget, subscribe to the podcast. And oh, by the way, subscribe to Locked On Saints. The Saints are in the playoffs. Go give it a listen. I need to catch up before the Saints playoff game against the Bears on Sunday as well. Wherever you get your podcast, you can get that show. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nolajake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow with a special guest.